0: God is good, and God has been good to us this week. God's good in a lot of ways, and it's to be gathered here together as the people of God. What you've done is you've brought in here your portion of the Holy Spirit alive in your life. You brought him in here, and so you have hundreds of portions of the Holy Spirit all gathered together. There's something good in this time today for you, individually for you. There is something good for you to get, so be expectant of the way God will bless and speak to you today. We want you more than anything to know Jesus Christ, to be a part of the kingdom of God, to know God is real, to know that you are loved, to know that salvation is a free gift to you. You don't have to fight for it or earn it. It's a free gift through Christ. And to know that gift and to live free from sin, we just present Jesus Christ during our time here together. When you see folks worship, I hope that encourages you to worship. Maybe you didn't feel like worshiping when you came. But when you looked around and you saw folks worshiping, in whatever circumstances they were in, you decided, you know what, I think I can worship. Didn't feel like it, but I think I can. When you see people praying around you, I hope even if you didn't feel like praying, I hope you felt like, you know, I think I can pray. It's been a hard day or a hard week, but I can pray. I hope when you look around, you see transformed people people whose lives have been radically changed by Jesus Christ, inside out. You can see it all over them. I hope when you see true transformation, that will convince you, you know what? I don't think I'm transformed and changed, and I need to be. I need to believe and follow Jesus Christ. And so up front, we just present Christ to you and pray that in this time, it will be confirmed in your life that you know Christ or confirmed that you don't, and you need to respond to how good and awesome that he is. We're going to have a very unique situation uh, today and next Sunday in which the pastor and I are preaching on the exact same passage two weeks in a row. In a pro wrestling event, there are two very important matches on the card. That's the first match, and that's the main event, which is the last match. The first match is designed to light the place up with excitement to get your interest, to get you hungry for more, to really just kind of sink in and be dedicated to the show, leading up to the last match, the championship match, which tops it off, gives you a great send-off, and you're so glad you came, and you saw a lot of great action. And Pastor Dow and I are going to be preaching on the same passage two weeks in a row. I'm like the first match. I'm here to get you excited, to get you into it, to get my take, so to say, on the passage, and then Pastor Dow's going to come in and have the championship match and uh bring to you his perspective on this passage. Reaching back to last Sunday, we were talking about how the first church was in favor with all the people. And Pastor Dow unpacked exactly what that meant for us to be winsome people, to go out and win people to the Lord. The first church blessed the people around them. They loved the sick and the poor. They loved the royal. They loved the government. They blessed law enforcement. They reached out to rejects. That's how the church was in favor back then, because they got out and made a huge difference. We ask the question, what does the first church look like in our culture, and our context. And we've unpacked that for several weeks and given a pretty good picture of how this looks for us. But when we talk about the first church, we're talking about original, right? This was the blueprint. This was stepping out for the first time and being the congregation, the people of God, and what they did and how we need to reach back and to grab that and to bring it here and almost kind of in a way remaster that for our time, remaster that for our situation and our culture. You know how important originals are to us? Usually if you go back to the original, you get a really nice product and you build off the original. Is that right? I don't know about you, but when this movie came out this past December, I was pretty excited about it. Star Wars, The Force Awakens. When I saw this movie poster and I saw Han Solo and I saw lightsabers and a Death Star and Stormtroopers and Chewbacca, I got really excited that a new Star Wars was coming out. And when I went to see the new Star Wars movie, I kind of shed a little tear out of joy and nostalgia. Because if you've seen The Force Awakens, you've seen Star Wars Episode Four, which was made like 30 years earlier. Because that screenplay was so identical, The Force Awakens had some of the exact same messages and storylines and characters as the first Star Wars, which was the original. And so The Force Awakens, and from here out, they've based that on the original. If you're a fan of Justin Timberlake, you're a fan of Usher, guess who you should really be a fan of? Someone like Michael Jackson, right? They got their moves from him. They got their singing from him. And he got his from Motown. And so you go back to the originals to say, where should we be and who should we be? Well, let's go back and find out what was successful, right? What worked? Let's go back and capture some things from that and apply it to our lives today. We've been investigating, jumping into the scripture, digging it out, looking at it, and how this first church was epic, radical, extreme, made a huge impact but it was ordinary people who were doing this, just like you and I. Sometimes folks who their names aren't even listed in there. It's unnamed believers, unnamed disciples who are seeing multitudes saved and lives changed day by day. And as we've unpacked this together, we've come to the very end of this passage. Now this passage for me, this has been a wonderful ride for me because this passage of scripture is the passage that I have based my entire church plant on. You know, I'm here part-time, and God has called me also to plant a church here in the community as well, too. And the timing of me being here was so perfect because God was moving me in ministry, and God was moving your church and moving the pastor, and and the coming together was so unique in that as I plant this new church called the Church at West Vista, um, I would need to also be working somewhere because church plants don't pay yet. It takes a while to build that. So to be working somewhere, yet my resume was all just church work, okay? It's all church. It's youth pastor work and education minister and things like this. And that doesn't compute in the secular world at all. I tried to find jobs at universities and things like that. And they're like, no, I see through this, you're a preacher. We don't want you here. And so I was like, where am I going to work except a church? How am I going to plant a church and be dedicated to that, but also serve a church. And God made that, he made it happen. He opened a door and made a way. So that was an amazing experience for me. So this whole time, this passage is very, very close to where God has led me. And I'm going to ask um, folks from my church plant just to stand. If you're a part of my church plant, they've been coming and worshiping with us for months now. So Church at West Vista, you want to just like let us see you real quick? Go ahead, come on. Okay. There, there, there you go. All right. Thank y'all very much. Y'all are good. Y'all can, y'all can be seated. This is a lot of my leadership, a lot of my launch team that we've been together for about a year now working on uh, making this happen as God has led us. And they're really coming here to enjoy worship and getting the word of God in their lives. So thank y'all for being hospitable for them and letting them be here. So Acts two forty seven, the very last part of this tells us, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. At the end of it all, at the end of all of these messages about how that first church looked and what they did, the result was daily people were being saved. Now I haven't experienced that in my life as a Christian where every single day someone gets saved. It doesn't happen in churches every single Sunday when someone comes down and gets saved and we celebrate it when it happens. It's a wonderful thing. It's an awesome thing, but really happening on a daily basis it makes you wonder, what were they doing? How did they actually get those results? In unpacking the first church, we realize that the first church was not a couple of things. First of all, the first church was not like communist Russia. No one came in and took all their goods or made you give up all your goods or took all of your pay and then redistributed that as they felt they needed to. When you read that passage, you say, wow, that sounds like people were just kind of throwing everything in and taking what they wanted. It was very different from that. So the first church was not like communist Russia. It was almost uh, very unlike a hippie commune. All right, The first church was not like a hippie commune in that you just kind of throw everything in, you take what you want, and hey, man, just whatever. It wasn't like that at all either. When we get to the idea of sharing goods and sharing possessions, and selling what we have to bless other people, we kind of get those things mixed up. So when we ask the question, what did the first church look like, we can tell you exactly what it didn't look like. And that helps us understand what it did look like. Today we're going to answer questions two and three while we're together. The first question, how does a blueprint church look in our culture and context? We've been very blessed in the last several weeks to get a really good clear glimpse at what that church looks like then and how it can look now with our sermons on hospitality, our our sermons on, on just the idea of that fellowship meal, the idea of blessing those around you and things like this. But question two and three are questions that I bring to the passage to say, now how can we obtain the same results that they obtained and why aren't we seeing those results in our churches like they were seeing those results? So let's tackle question number two. How can we today obtain the results like we were seeing in the first church? Now, we know going in that our goal is to get as close as we can to this blueprint church. And to do that, it's going to take striving for us, not simply flipping a switch. We can't be afraid of the hard work it's going to take to reach the lost and the needy. So up front, it's hard work. And secondly, we just can't um, look at our packed lives and say, well, where can we kind of fit this in? Our lives are very packed. We have to make room in our lives to become more like this first church. Maybe the life of the early church wasn't so packed, is what I kind of gather. They had room for relationships and room for people. So, how do we obtain results like this? The results were amazing results. The results were of the Holy Spirit, and they were almost automatic. When you add teaching and hospitality, prayer, praise to God, serving and sacrifice, when all of these elements are getting equal attention, what you start to see is a complete product. What you start to see is a solved puzzle when all of these elements are given attention, having their separate place of priority, because all of them are priority. It's not one over the other. Um, The hospitality meal sometimes will mean more to someone than the teaching. The sharing of, of praise to God may oftentimes mean more to someone than your hospitality going out and serving and sacrificing for someone may speak to someone more than your prayers did. You don't know. So all of these elements are equal and combined together, and what you get is like this idea of a Rubik's Cube, man. It's like we have this problem solved for us. Almost the idea of automatic results. My fear is that we can't handle a move of the Spirit like this. This is when I approach this scripture and I think thousands were saved on a day and then daily, many were saved after that. My first fear is, man, we can't handle a move of this from the Spirit. Thousands saved. First of all, our sanctuary can't hold thousands of people, can it? Well, obviously, if our sanctuary can't hold a thousand people, then we can't handle a move of the Spirit like this. We worry about... What problems folks may bring in. Can I handle the problems that, that the lost bring in, that the needy bring in? Who's going to disciple them? How do we fit them in Sunday school classes? How do we add them to our roles? And how do we do all this between the hours of 10 and 12 on a Sunday or 6 to 7 30 on a Wednesday? You see, all of my worries are based on what? The building, My schedule, my clock, they're all based on me. And the Holy Spirit can move in ways that I can't even contemplate. But I worry sometimes if my fear and my lack of wanting to pursue and wanting to reach out, if my fears actually may hinder me in reaching out. When you look at the first church, they didn't worry about filling their sanctuary because they had lots of homes that could be filled. And they did fill their homes They didn't worry about discipling. They didn't worry about the difficulties that were brought in because they were relational and they worked those things out one-on-one. The answer for us to the question of how can we obtain these results is, number one, to have faith in the Lord and in the elements. To have faith in God because God wants to save. And God is in the business of saving And only he can do that. And so we have to know that when we engage in this process that the Lord himself wants to do this. We don't have to convince. We don't have to speak the message perfectly and clearly. God will do that through our lives. So we have faith in him and also faith in these elements that he's given us to put together. Looking at Paul in this passage in Acts, Paul had a process. And when Paul went around ministering, and sharing and, and in these different hard-to-reach places, Paul experienced hard times and what we consider to be closed doors. In his missionary journeys in this passage in Acts, it says Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. On more than one occasion, Paul and his companions would try to go into a certain area, and God would just close that door. And Paul would have to redirect. In this particular situation, Paul redirects to Philippi. And when he gets there on the Sabbath, he went, we went outside. This is Paul speaking in first person. We went outside of the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Paul was a person who was on mission, lived a life on mission, realized that no matter where I go, these same elements work. The door may close here, the door may close there, but God will direct and guide us to where they will work. And every city, he went and found people in these places and then moved in relationship into their home. And from Lydia, you also meet the Philippian jailer whose entire family was saved and baptized. They start the house church in Philippi. As a result, the book of Philippians is written to them. And so you see the birth of a house church from Paul traveling, trusting in God to bring about the results. The third question we're going to answer together is, well, why aren't we experiencing the results that the early church experienced? That's a fair question to ask. These are our spiritual forefathers. We exist today because of them and their sacrifice and their patterns. And what we have today stems from what they started. So why have the results stopped? I want us to be aware and be beware that as Southern Baptists, we have been in the past a numbers people. We have focused on the attendance to the point where we base our health on the attendance. We base our peace on the attendance our future security on attendance. When asked how we were doing as a church, we simply share numbers, and that communicates to everyone out there how well we are doing. And sometimes we may even be guilty of doctoring those numbers up. And what we've done is we focused on the quantity rather than the quality of our work. And it's a shame that what's happened is that we have stopped becoming a process people. And we've become a numbers people. So if I'm trying to kind of understand what the problem may be and where we're at and how to change that, this is where things shift from worrying about the attendance and the numbers and going back to being a process people. In a process, you take time to add every single important element down the line. Step by step by step to get to the final product, much like this picture here. You can't be at picture number 10 without picture number one or three or seven. Every part is important in this idea of process for us as believers. What is process? Process means we take time for relationships to develop, process means that we take time to serve others. We take time to teach the Word of God properly, pray with more passion, pray with more people. We take time to create community properly. What we do and we're guilty of is we rush through the elements in a grab for the results. We are too results-oriented, and we've forgotten the importance of the process. In everything, there's a process Keep your eyes where they should be, a good handle on the ball, your feet in certain positions to be successful. We have to practice, practice, and practice the fundamentals of our work as the church. Tony Dungy says that it's all about the fundamentals. It's not necessarily who has the most talent, but what team sticks together and executes their fundamentals the best. It's about getting back to the process. So why aren't we there? It's time to be a process people and not a results-oriented people. We will not see results like this until we reinstate and reemphasize the stronger, smaller groups and gatherings Lives change in living rooms, lives change in backyards, they change on road trips, they change Monday through Saturday, on days the church is not even open, lives are changing and we have to be able to respond and be a part of that life-changing process. Our goal is to, to get back to where we as a church feel a responsibility for our city block, The world, yes. The country, absolutely. The state, absolutely. But what about our city block? What about our neighborhoods? We have to get back to a point where the blueprint church was where the relationships were the attraction. And where churches were okay sharing a city block with another church. That's okay to do. In fact, back then, you may have had several small churches within a city block, and as a result, you had multitudes being reached for Christ. So it's time for us as neighbors just to feel a a spiritual responsibility for our neighbors and our neighborhood and claim the block. It's time for us to do that. And how do we claim the block? We have all of that already set out for us in these precious elements. Today, I don't know exactly what part of our time together was a part that spoke to you. It may have been a time early on when you walked in the front door that the Spirit of God spoke to you. It could have been a time during one of the songs that we were singing where the Spirit of God spoke to you. It could be a time during the the sermon where you felt like the Spirit had something to say to you. But I'm curious as to how did the Spirit speak to you? And when he does, what will we do about that? We know God speaks. We know he does in all of these different ways. But then he calls us to respond to how he has spoken. We're going to shift now into a time of of processing for you, a time of responding for you, a time of contemplating what you have experienced today, what you've heard today, responding to the Lord working in your heart. I'll be available at the front for prayer, uh, for time to hear your response, to to be with you on this journey, however God may be leading you. We're available for that. Others around you are available for that. But we ask you now during this time just to connect still with the Lord and allow him to speak to you uh, through his word and through praise and through worship like we're going to have in just a few moments. Let's pray together. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we bring nothing today to the table at all. Father, we bring ourselves, and we just pray that you will use us. God, if you're here and we're willing to be a conduit for your work, Lord, great things will happen. And Father, I pray that you'll instill in us the burden for our lost loved ones, our co-workers, our friends, our family, Father. But, Lord, just that burden for our neighborhood, the burden for our city block. And, God, we'll thank you for your Holy Spirit who empowers us, who gives us the words at the right time to see these transformations happen. Lord, as a people, we just pray that you will speak to us and that you will move in a great, glorifying way. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.